Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Everyday Theology, where we as ordinary pastors connect theological truths to everyday believers. I'm Dustin Walters, and I'm joined across the screen by Ben Campbell. Ben, good to have you on the show today. Thanks. We're uh, prepping for snow this time in Arkansas. Last few weeks we've been doing this. It's been ice. Hopefully we'll get some snow, and then it's supposed to be like in the 50s on Saturday. So. You never know our uh, unpredictable weather patterns, and uh, hopefully our forthcoming trip that we have planned together, uh, where we'll get to spend time together in real person, real life, uh, won't be snowed out or anything, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Hopefully not everyone won't get sick. Right. (laughs) Everybody well. And uh, dear listener, we did want to take a moment and acknowledge, um, in one of our recent episodes, we had uh, some challenges with some of our recording. Hopefully our quality is back up to what you've come to expect from us and hopefully getting better uh, by the day. So I appreciate your patience with that. And uh, with that being said, I want to go ahead and introduce our topic for today. Um, Ben, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the whole world. So um, if I'm talking too much, just mute my mic on your side over there and we'll, uh, we'll keep rolling here. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Today we're going to focus on creating deep disciples from a pastoral perspective. Ben, give us a bit of an overview on um, kind of how you got exposed to this concept of deep discipleship and what are some avenues that we'd like to discuss about deep discipleship today? Well, I, I got exposed to discipleship early on in ministry. I mean, discipleship's pretty much been a buzzword for, I don't know, about 10 years, um, especially in youth ministry. Um, when, especially like when, when I was in school, in undergraduate school, um, discipleship was sort of the, the next trend, if you will. We need to return to discipleship. We need to, uh, you know, take back youth ministry, that sort of thing. Um, since then, that's sort of happened. You know, there's been quite a turn in, in youth and family ministry, which is a good thing. Um, but that was uh, sort of my introduction into it and, and sort of the nature of why we do it. Um, but <clears throat> as I became a youth pastor about four or five years in, I got introduced uh, to a man named Richard Ross, who really took a different uh, philosophy on youth ministry that really focused on having older members in your church invest in the younger members in your church um, and sort of in a discipling mentoring relationship that really changed my philosophy of youth ministry. As I became a pastor, I was introduced to a couple of different books. Of course, Robbie Gallaty stuff was really helpful to me early on with growing up and, and, and the D group thing. Um, But I was also introduced to two specific books. One is the trellis and the vine by uh, Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. And the other one is a book where um, we sort of piggybacked off the name, if you will, but it's a book by J.T. English called Deep Discipleship. And his focus uh, in the book where he was uh, the sort of the facilitator of the Village Church Institute uh, where Matt Chandler pastors, and they had some 400 graduates the first year they did this, but it was all focused on sort of throwing all of their students into the deep water of the Bible and so that that was sort of my introduction to it. So deep discipleship. Well, Ben, let's uh, think about first, what's a healthy definition of who is a disciple? And then I want us to consider um, what's different from a deep disciple and a not deep disciple, or is there a difference? So um, what would you kind of say is foundational for your definition of discipleship, which 
I think we could both probably have our own definition of, but I'd be interested to hear what what your definition is of this. Yeah, we didn't we didn't discuss this before we came on, so uh, I guess we're about to just reveal ourselves here. But uh, so I I, I honestly think uh, that that discipleship is very um, overcomplicated. I think people overcomplicate discipleship um, when it comes to church ministry and and uh, church work. I just think people complicate the the definition and the process and the ministry altogether. I really like Mark Dever and his definition of discipleship. He says that your discipleship is your own following of Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's how you follow Jesus. And discipling is uh, pleading with others to follow Jesus. And that's really what discipleship is. It's following Jesus and influencing others to, to follow Jesus as well. I appreciate that definition, Ben, and, and the element of personal walking with him. There's an old uh, Greek word that I, I know that you're familiar with, that New Testament word, peripateo, just means to walk about. And that's mm-hmm. used often about about following God and, and walking as disciples. Um, what do you think about um, this definition? Discipleship is helping others follow the historical Jesus of the Bible through a reproducible process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's basically basically the same thing of what we what I said. Um, probably better worded, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the, the ultimate goal of discipling is to, of course, make more disciples. That's that's what we do. So, but it, you you ask the question like, is there such thing as a, a like a shallow disciple and a deep disciple? Sure, probably so. Um, you you can be a disciple and not really make disciples. Um, now you get farther down the line. You do that for as a pattern for years and years and years on years. Maybe there's some questions as to whether or not you have genuine faith and all of this. But um, but the the true test of discipleship is uh, rooted and grounded in whether or not you replicate and you multiply. I think that's so pivotal for us to reflect on and understand. So um, just to be clear, we're not saying that that one can be. Uh, something other than a disciple and, and be, you know, a child of God. Um, there is there is an expectation that we are either becoming more like Christ every day, or we're becoming more like the old man, and and we should become more like Jesus as as people who claim to follow Him. Going back to the the original meaning of the word disciple, is just a follower, a learner. So um, this is kind of an obvious question, Ben, and hopefully our listeners won't be too. Um, frustrated by this. I love obvious questions. What is uh, what is the biblical foundation for making disciples? Well, really, I mean, the, it it really goes back to the Old Testament. I mean, it's it's the all of biblical the biblical narrative is is disciple making. Uh, a lot of people who write on discipleship now reference something called the Jethro model, where where Jethro encouraged. Um, Moses to uh, take his group of leaders and invest in them for them to invest in other groups of people and so on. Um, And that's basically what it is. But again, ultimately, you have the Great Commission passages, you know, Matthew 28. um, You have one in Mark 16. You have one in Luke 22 or 24, I believe. And then you have one in John 20. You even have Acts 1-8. 
Uh, you will be my witnesses. Um, and, and so Jesus commissions the disciples to make more disciples. Um, Paul in his ministry is uh, very emphatic on making on training younger men to carry on the ministry, which I think is vitally important for ministers today as well. Um, and that's the pattern we see throughout the scriptures, especially in New Testament times, obviously. But um, you can even go back to the Old Testament and the way uh, that, that people were raised up and Israel worked and different things as well. Which you, you capture so many important truths there. One of the things you mentioned there at the end about um, the the role of the family, and that's that's why we would affirm wholeheartedly, you know what Deuteronomy six says about raising up the family, because that's the primary place. We uh, we we definitely appreciate that that uh, hero Israel, which has been referred to as the Shema, uh, as just something that became part of the corporate identity of God's people in the Old Covenant. Um, actually had an opportunity when I was at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. One of the professors there, Dr. Charlie Ray. There's like three of those, Dr. Charlie Ray's, and they all work for New, New Orleans Seminary. Um, yeah. I had I had the <clears throat> older and wiser um, Charlie Ray at one <laughs> point in time. Uh, anyway, he wrote a doctoral dissertation on the book of John, and actually he, he traced discipleship. And one of the things he points out is that you've got discipleship happening in the time of Isaiah, um, yeah. possibly with Ezekiel and, and some of the others. Uh, but but it was simply a process of bringing a lo- others alongside to follow God with you in, in a reproducible way. Now, you captured um, the fact that Paul, Ben, you mentioned that Paul was all about, you know, making disciples, follow me as I follow Christ. As you shared that, I was thinking about 2 Timothy 1 and 2. So I'm going to read that real quick for our listeners. And it just says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard from me among faithful among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The idea that Paul gives us there, and then again in Titus 2, is that we're passing on what we have received. Though unworthily, mm. we're passing on that which we have received. What would you say is the connection between biblical disciple-making and Christian doctrine? I think there's a massive connection between discipleship and and theology where uh, really what you're doing is the whole process of discipleship really comes uh, by investing the Bible into people, investing the gospel into people. Um, that, that's what Paul says to Timothy. You commit to faithful men what I have entrusted to you who will then teach others also. There's... Um, this is why I think people overcomplicate discipleship. Um, we want discipleship to uh, maybe we won't lose any listeners for this, but we want discipleship to replace a program. And right. we one tend of my, to pragmatize it. One of my friends, Pastor Bill Wilkes out of Alabama, um, has began a ministry called Living the D Life. Encourage our listeners to check out livingthedlife.com livingthedlife.com. Um, I've been to two of Pastor Bill's disciple-making boot camps that he calls it, and Bill says all the time, um, disciple-making is not a program, but it is a lifestyle. In fact, he actually just released a brand new book, uh, 2022, 
that I have not had the chance to dive into yet, but it's called The Greater Work. And um, basically, Bill's method, how it compares to something like Robbie Gallaty's, uh, Robbie Gallaty's method is very much grounded in the local church. Uh, Pastor Bill's method can be in the local church or it could be in the in in the high school or in the men's group that meets at Chick-fil-A or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bill's intention and what he's trying to do is bring the word into it where curriculum has a value. We believe in Sunday school curriculum and we think that it's helpful. But there is another layer of discipleship. And I think, Ben, you did an excellent job bringing this out in your blog that um, discipleship's not just going to Sunday school or going to Wednesday night Bible study. There seems to be more to that uh, process than just simply going to a class. Right, right. And and that's that's why I think we overcomplicate this. Um, I, I have found in, in my talks with other pastors and my understandings with other church ministries that what people tend to do is say, we don't want to be pragmatic, and then they implement a discipleship program that's like a 12-step program to get them involved in the service of the church. And what, what we've actually done in doing that is we've just thrown uh, the the program out with the discipleship bathwater is all we've done. And what what we what we do when we when we replace that our discipleship with something or our programs with discipleship is we're still prioritizing the method over the message. Um, you think if you look back to scripture, and this is where I think uh, Marshall and Payne's book is super helpful um, because all throughout the trellis and the vine, the entire message of the book is people, not programs, because ministry is just going to be messy. I, I guess maybe, maybe pastors just don't want to, um, you know, like deal with, tr- try to avoid the messiness of ministry. I know, I know we all try to do that. Like none of us want to deal with people's problem. Well, I shouldn't say that because if you're in the ministry, you're going to deal with people's problems, but you know, we like to avoid it if we can. Right. Um, but the, if we're going to have, biblical discipleship it's it's through people it's investing into people it's not having a five-step program to say like hey do this 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 and this and then you'll be a disciple right it's it's investing the scriptures into think about the analogy that scripture uses all, all over the the scripture uses agriculture as analogies for this um john 15 is an example i am the true vine my father is the husbandman uh, he says, if any any branch that uh, does not abide in me does not bear fruit, he prunes. We want everyone to know that today's episode of Everyday Theology is sponsored in part by our friends at Welch Divinity School. Through the Master of Divinity degree, Welch Divinity School seeks to foster Christian scholarship and provide leaders with graduate education in theological classical disciplines, and in their integration with the practice of Christian ministry. To learn more about Welch Divinity School, visit welch.edu forward slash divinity. That sort of reminds me, Ben, was it um, William Carey in history who said, uh, I can plod. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, it's simply that work of discipleship where, where you're saying, listen, it's not up to me to change somebody. The Holy Spirit does that. Uh, my job is to, to keep plotting. It's kind of like Paul said in the Bible, I, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. What we want right. to see in our church is, sure, we want to see our church pews filled again. Ben and I both want to see revival, uh, but but not just from a numeric perspective. We want to see people living out their their faith and their job at the bank or their job, you know, in a construction company or, you know, working at Walmart. What we want to remind our listeners of is that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, whether you're a full-time pastor or whether you're just a layperson in the church, God is calling you to fulfill the great commission, which sadly, Ben, it has become the great omission, uh, where we treat it as the great option um, to to make disciples. By the way, I was at privilege this past week to attend forum conference at Welch College. We had Dr. Harry Reeder come in from Briarwood Press, and he's famous for writing the um, From Embers to a Flame. Highly recommend that on church revitalization. Dr. Reeder preached, and he said, he said, you guys know what everybody emphasizes as the main controlling verb in Matthew 28, which was go, right? Mm-hmm. Ben, we've heard those sermons our whole life. But being the, the, the ordinary pastors that we are, uh, we now come to understand that the main verb is making disciples and everything else is just yeah. participle. So when we think about what Jesus has literally, this is literally... Um, our marching orders from King Jesus that we are to make disciples and we're to teach them about Jesus and we're to baptize them. Um, and we're to have courage knowing that he's with us through every step of the process. So I think there is a bright future ahead and I'm encouraged to see the number of even our peers. Um, we have some brothers out in North Carolina who are working uh, with discipleship ministries in their church and they're uh, really trying to create effective D groups Mm-hmm. I'm encouraged, Ben, to see this kind of pendulum swing. I hope that we're not just giving in to a cultural fad. Um, what I would like to see is a discipleship ministry grow through the ordinary means of grace. That's what that's what I was going to to say next. Was the way in which that happens is through the means of grace. Discipleship is only through the means of grace because discipleship only happens when the word is present. And when the word is presented and when the word is um, interpreted and applied in, in one's life. Um, and I, I don't want to sound too negative here, like like I'm just ratting on people who try to do discipleship the right way, but they're all doing pragmatic stuff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, like you just said, some some of us have sort of made it this trendy, fatty thing where um, – we're doing discipleship because that's that's the latest and greatest thing to do. And really and truly, I, I will say this. If you will go back to the, the, the traditional way, the New Testament way of doing church through the means of grace, you will do discipleship. You, you will you will make disciples and you will grow deep disciples who are rooted and grounded in in Christ, because here's the thing: I was talking to my dad about this the other day. Uh, one of the things the means of grace does that is so comforting to us as pastors is it takes all of the success probability off of us. 
That's why Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We we don't have any control over whether or not our, our people grow. That is only up to God. Just like if you plant a garden, you can water that plant to death and you can nourish that thing to death. You can put miracle grow on it to death. But guess what? It ain't going to grow if it ain't got the right weather or if for if you want to get technical, if God don't want it to grow. Mm. And so, uh, but, but most, most importantly, apart from the means of grace, one of the things we must understand is that discipleship is going to take time. Uh, this is not an immediate fix. This is not a quick fix. Um, it's like agriculture. It's like growing plants. There is a heart. There's a planting season. There's a watering season. There's a harvesting season. Um, and those things take time. And but if we if we will be faithful to plant and water, we will have a, a, a harvest to reap. And our goal in in making disciples through an ordinary means of grace. And when we mean ordinary means of grace, uh, we mean simply word centered, preach the word, teach the word, sing the word, pray the word. Um, but our goal, Ben, as we try to make disciples right, is to make more mature followers of Jesus. Um, and I think that. Somehow along the line, this this does impact our, our discussions on soteriology, by the way. Soteriology, um, the, the study of salvation, the study of, of how one comes to be saved. Um, I think that sometimes as Arminians, we have adopted models of disciple making that maybe are not reflecting of what we believe theologically. Do you think that I might be onto something with that, or do you think that do you think there is a connection between one's beliefs on the doctrine of salvation and the way in which discipleship is carried out? Well, sure. I mean, if if we're going to believe that that the conditional element for perseverance is faith, it would probably be wise for us to uh, continue to nourish the faith in, in those who are under our care um, so they don't fall away. Yeah. I mean, Hebrews seems to be written— to Christians who were tempted to go back into Judaism and tempted to forsake all that they had known in this new way of Christianity. And I think that's a a prime example. I think, I think you're exactly right. You you have to, if we truly believe that there is a possibility of falling away, we ought to be doing everything we can, or as Carrie would say, we ought to be plotting to, to nourish that faith and that perseverance in those who might be struggling and those who aren't. What is a what does a mature disciple of Jesus look like? Like if Ben, if we were going to have a whiteboard behind us today, uh, and our listeners could see, what would you say if you were just going to, you know, off the cuff? What would you say are some of the most important characteristics of a mature disciple, and why does it matter if one's mature or not mature in Christ? Well, uh, I'm going to answer the the second question first. The reason it matters about maturity. Um, is because maturity is the product of growth. Maturity is the product of sanctification. Hebrews says, uh, Hebrews 5, the author of Hebrews writes to these men and women, and he says, I'm ready. You need to move on from the elementary principles of the world uh, because because you're too lazy to think critically about Christianity. Um, also we're, we're commanded to grow in the grace 
and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're commanded to not be conformed to the image of this world, but we're commanded to be transformed by renewing our minds. That's a that's a growth word. It's, our mind is not our intellect in one sense, but um, it's our total person. It's the way we think, feel, and act. Um, so that's why maturity is important because you don't grow. You don't get to maturity just by like knowing a bunch of things, but it's by growth. So what does a mature disciple look like? Well, I mean, like you could, you could really just say like, Hey, he, he's like, like he embody they embody the fruit of the spirit. I mean, really like love and joy and peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, love. I mean, all of those things are, are, are characteristics of true disciples. Um, but I, I would say above like the basic Bible answer of, fruit of the spirit, they act like Jesus type stuff. Um, I, I would say number one, they, they love the word. Um, and I would say number two, they love the church. That's good. And I would say number three, which by uh, the way, if we can pause on two for a second, while you're thinking about three, um, there is a growing, a, a trend where people are really buying into Lone Ranger Christianity where me, me and Jesus are fine. We're I'm walking as a disciple of him and, and I'm good, but I don't ever go to church. Yeah. That's yeah not that, which, it's, it's, it's actually impossible to do. Um, number three, I would say though, is humility. Um, true disciples of Christ think more of others than they think of themselves. Um, we're always out for the good of the other person. Philippians 2, um, do not think of yourselves as highly as you think of other people, Paul says. And then follows up with, have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Um, because, again, that's the way of Jesus. Jesus uh, thought of us as sinful, depraved human beings, loved us enough to forsake all of heaven to come and be obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And all for our salvation. And again, a mark of a mature disciple loves the word, loves the church is humble. I would say fourthly, again, it makes other disciples, makes disciples. I love the reproducing element. Many others, as you pointed out earlier in the episode, like Robbie Gallaty and others um, have emphasized the role of multiplication or uh, replication in ministry what an ordinary means of grace approach to discipleship does is it allows you to factor in cultural differences. If you're going to make a disciple in Spain or Tokyo, Japan, mm-hmm. that's a little different than, than in uh, South central Arkansas or middle yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. But Ben, I think what we're both saying is if we're going to make disciples the way of Jesus, then there will be some cultural things different, but because they're ordinary means of grace, it's not a cookie cutter like the the mega church growth movement. It is a a process that's rooted in the Bible, and, and then going back to the connection between evangelism and discipleship. So, as an ordinary means part of ministry, disciple making is simply um, putting people in an environment where they can grow and thrive in a biblically God ordained way. There's a lot to that, I'm sure, that we can unpack more and more. But I think as we kind of get closer to the end here, it's helpful for us both to maybe talk briefly about one or two resources that we have found, Ben, to be most helpful in our own journey to making disciples. 
yeah, other than scripture, of course, um, I would, um, I would recommend uh, Robbie Gallaty's book, Growing Up. I think that's a good resource for discipleship groups. Um, again, you don't want to read too much into it to pragmatize discipleship, but but he has really good stuff on on how to sort of make that work and the accountability aspect of discipleship. If I had to recommend one book and one book only, it would be The Trellis and the Vine by Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. Um, also, I would throw in uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together. Um, can't believe you haven't mentioned that yet, Dustin. But I was trying to behave myself. Uh, <laughs> Bonhoeffer is my favorite pastor, and I've got a. I've acquired. I've been trying to develop my library on his um, his works. Fortress Press mm-hmm. recently started a project where they're basically creating a more academic, yeah. <laughs> New American Standard Bible version of the Bonhoeffer works. Um, and so his his cost of discipleship, which is commonly what it's called, but simply discipleship is what Bonhoeffer called it. And then again, his um, life together, I think is also another good book on discipleship as well. Yeah. Yeah, But uh, hands down the trellis and the vine is, is probably the best book because it's not just a book on discipleship. It's just, it's a book on uh, ministry that lasts. Right. Well, and I go back to what you said about the trellis and the vine. Um, I read that when I was uh, serving as a lead pastor in Indiana and Payne and Marshall kind of advocate the idea that we spend a lot of time um, working on the trellis to make things look pretty, but we really need to get down to doing vine work. And that's what we're called to do as pastors. And if you're listening to this podcast today, no matter where you are, what you may be doing, um, we're just talking about some some biblical foundations for discipleship and some resources. Um, and we want you to feel empowered. Many of you feel overwhelmed with your families, your children, your responsibilities, taking the kids to the ball game and cleaning the house and doing all the things. But uh, we want you to know that you too can make disciples um, yeah. in the means that God has given. And and I would just add, Ben, to, to those resources. Um, you mentioned about the trellis and the vine. You mentioned Bonhoeffer. I would also like to recommend our listeners to a book called Together We Equip. Together We Equip is a book on how disciple-making ministry impacts every other ministry in the church, like children's ministry, youth ministry, and so on. Um, One of my mentors at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, um, Jody Dean, actually wrote a book. So it's called Together We Equip. Um, I highly recommend that. Um, And then, of course, my friend Bill Wilkes uh, just released a new book called The Greater Work. Highly recommend that. So. Well, dear listener, we hope these uh, resources have been helpful for you. And there's there's many more. If there's any way that we uh, at Everyday Theology can help you in your disciple-making ministry, Ben and I are just um, ordinary pastors. Ben serves as a lead pastor. I happen to serve as a discipleship and connections pastor. But dear listener, we don't have everything all figured out either. Um, but we do want to capture the importance of uh, maturing disciples of Jesus in the biblical way. Um, If you have ideas or suggestions of things that you would love for us to talk about, we invite you to send us an email or comment on our post on social media. And our email address is info at everydaytheology.co. We'd love to hear from you. And also, if you would, please give us um, a rating on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. That helps distribute our podcast. And ultimately, this is not about Ben and I. It's not about Everyday Theology. Uh, But if you help us and share our content, it certainly helps more people here 
um, what we're trying to do here. And we do pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you as you seek to make disciples in your life and your ministry.